Welcome to the Ralph Moore Podcast. Gain the leadership advantage as Ralph pulls wisdom from his bag of over 50 years experience in planting and leading multiplying churches. Our goal is to help you live as a leader you'd want to follow. You'll learn about making disciples and planting churches, but beyond that, you'll gain practical wisdom about subjects like how to manage your team, handling difficult people, pulling a congregation off a growth plateau, and even money management. You know, that wouldn't fit. Kind of grabs a hold of me. We we were in uh, a town called Kaneohe. It's a town of about 40,000 people. Hmm. And there's a lot of government subsidy housing. And okay. we were reaching a lot of those people. But uh, one of my friends had a little uh, two-bay auto garage. And he grew up in Detroit. Grew up tough, tough neighborhood. Mm -hmm. And next to him, there was a a Harley shop, um, a a chopper shop. It wasn't like a Harley-Davidson motorcycle company. It was, you know. And so there's a bunch of guys that, that they're mostly on, on drugs, and they're they're some are homeless, some are not homeless. Right. They just hang out down there. And yeah. for me, I I I would find myself sometimes just churched out. You know, it's like you, you got staff meeting, you got people you're discipling, godly, wonderful, good, gracious people. Uh, but I just gotta get out of here. I want I want to get back to where people mm. are real. So I can go down and hang out down there. So I, I actually knew a bunch of these people. But Sven started uh, bringing them to our church. And our church is like, at the most, a third of a mile away. Wow. But we're up on a hill. And they would come once, and that was it. They didn't want to come mm. back because mm. we were a middle-class church, and they were not comfortable with us. Wow. wow. So Sven started a church that met on Tuesday mornings. He'd push the cars Perfect. out of the garage, and they'd just hang out in the greasy floor of, of the, the thing. Shop, auto and, shop. Wow. Yeah, God did wonderful, wonderful things through that. But the thing that that I learned from that is that we have to go to these people yeah. who we 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 lament that they don't come to our churches and, and that we're not they're unreachable, they're this and they're that. But if we go where they live and live with them, um it, it works really differently. Wow. So Ralph, I'm so glad you brought that up. That's a powerful story. And I think in post-Christian times, I think we're going to need to see more of that. And, and what, I, what I'm envisioning is, uh, the, you know, kind of the recapturing of the priesthood, the doctrine of the priesthood of all believers, you know, for people um, that are Christ followers, having a burden for, uh, you know, um, a certain people group or a, a group that may uh, be far from God and and outside the four walls of the church currently, but um, God may want to use uh, some of these individuals to lead these gospel communities. Maybe some of these guys are reluctant to even call it a church, or they're reluctant yeah. to uh, you know say that they're a pastor. I tell guys, hey, we need more urban missionaries than pastors. If you have a stereotype for what it's going to take to plant the church in in post Christian times, you need to be more like an urban missionary than than the stereotypic pastor. But man, I, I love that because I, I think there are so many nuanced people groups, if you will, some ethnic and some more like just folks that are more comfortable in that chopper shop than they are in any 
other kind of environment. There might be someone that's listening that's a barber and they do something similar at their barber shop. There might be someone else who coaches and they start a, a Bible study. Um, it might be for the kids and their families and they, they come to a barbecue in someone's home. But I just think, Ralph, in post-Christian times, we, we got to think outside the box. We can't just think people aren't looking for church. People need Jesus, but they're not looking for church. Um, and so we're going we're gonna to we're gonna have to look in the mirror and say, is God calling me to perhaps plant a gospel-centered church for people I have influence with? There might be someone listening that's a, a marketplace leader, and you have influence, and you have a building, and, and yes, your company is a for-profit you know, entity, but you have influence, and maybe there's space on a night or an early morning, but where you can have a gospel-centered uh, influence on people that trust you and, and respect you, and they need to, you know, and I, I guess I just tell our listening audience, you were put on this planet for more um, than just to work or go to school, that those are just part of who you are and part of what you do. But um, he wants your, your one and only life to count. And some of you guys are being called for such a time as this to plant some of these gospel-centered expressions um, in creative ways on basketball courts and backyards and marketplace communities, et cetera. Um, man, I, I hope God will launch a movement of bold Christ followers um, and I just want to say quickly, I feel like the Holy Spirit's telling me some of you are thinking in your minds, listening to this of all the ways that you are disqualified, you know, you don't have enough theological training or, um, you know, what if someone asked me a question, I don't know the answer to, or, you know, whatever those things are in your head. I just want you to know that God wants to use your one and only life. And there are people that you have relationship with that Ralph or myself or other pastors might not ever know, but they know you and they trust and value and respect you. And for such a time as this, God may be calling you to embrace your calling. Um, and, and, um, and, and the church shifted, you know, Ralph with the oncoming onslaught of professional pastors, the church shifted away from the priesthood of all believers and, and the professional pastor for boomer and builder generation became the industry standard. And it's just time for Christ followers to say, no, God's called me uh, for such a time as this to take the gospel. And yeah, yeah, I'm broken. I'm still in process. I'm not perfect. None of us are. Ralph and I will be the first to tell you all of our imperfections, you know, and yet God wants to use you, man. And so whoever you are out there, we want to see you fulfill all that God has for you. And there are people whose stories are yet, whose gospel stories are yet to be written because God's going to use you as a voice of hope in their life. So, you know, let me, let me speak to some of the stuff that you just said, the challenge you gave to people that are listening that when you know when we went to Hawaii, um, we we knew full well that to reach the goals the Lord had given us, um, we we're going to have to disciple. We we all met on a beach the first day because nobody had rent us a building. First few weeks we were there, and I I kind of laid out of this is what we feel God called us to do, and, and there's no way that that many people are ever going to come hear me talk. So you, I'm going to disciple a bunch of you. You're going to become pastors but then we won't get the job done and there's some kid selling drugs in Waikiki this morning 
and he doesn't know it yet, but he's going to become a Christian, and and one of you is going to disciple him to be a pastor, and he's going to plant a church. Come on, Ralph. So as we think about what's happened the last, it's actually been about five decades that we've had the whole seeker-driven, you invite them, I'll get them saved, we show, right, right, all that. Right. I think that there's some terms, some biblical terms that we really need to hang on to. The one is household. The Greek word for it um, is, is more than a family. It's it's a family and it's tentacles. It's it's friends, maybe employees, whatever. And often this is more like 20 people. All of us have a household. It, it may be the basketball court. It it may be that uh, you know some lawyer has got this group of people he, he drinks with in a law at a law office after work. Um, yeah. it, you know, we one of my friends started a church in a Filipino gang in Hawaii, and um, oh. he, they pretty soon there's 80 kids come to this. They were attacked by a rival gang, but that's a that household was there. So I think we need to mm-hmm. look at how who, who are who's my household because that's my mission field. And mm-hmm. how do I take the gospel to them? This, the second word that I want to challenge is the word church. Um, it's come to mean a building. It's come to mean an institution. Uh, what, what it just really means is people who are called out to live differently. So let's, you know, throw away all those things that we've done that negate the priesthood of all believers. But then as we look at, um, you know, one of my friends, won't, he, he started a, a series of micro churches only for guys coming out of jail in Hawaii. And there's, you know, they, they are all networked real well. So one guy leads to the other and, and all that. But the other, the other thing that always bothers me a lot is Ephesians four, where, mm-hmm. where Paul says to leaders in the church that, that your, your job is to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. But when he names five different kind of leaders, We've taken all five of those and made it into one person who's got mm. a microphone strapped around their neck and, <laughs> and they're Superman. And when I begin to really realize this, you know, if you're in a church of a, a church of a couple hundred people, how, how many people in that church would the Apostle Paul call pastors? Because mm. probably 30 of them or more. Uh, how many would he call apostles? Probably eight to 10. How many would hmm. he call evangelists? I don't think very many, we're all called to, to do the work of an evangelist, but we're not all gifted as an evangelist. But I think that the way we've done this, when we've robbed the church of what we always say, that we believe in the priesthood of all believers, there's, there's all these people who are, who the, the, what matters isn't in education or even how long you've known the Lord. It's your spiritual gifts. I, mm-hmm. I was on a, a Zoom call last night with a guy who's now probably, I'm guessing he's around 65 years old. He's planting a church. But when I first knew him, he was 19. And uh, he was bringing all these kids to church. I, I was at Hermosa Beach in L.A. County. And he would um, come down surf. And then come Sunday night, he'd come to church. Well, pretty soon he starts bringing all these kids from the San Fernando Valley, and then they ran out of cars. They had more kids than they had cars. And this guy, Jeff Fisher, comes to me and goes, you got to start a church, man. We need a church where we live. And I go, do you have a garage? And he goes, yeah. And I go, good, you're the pastor. 
And we sent <laughs> another guy with him. We actually Love paid it. the guy to be the assistant pastor to disciple the pastor who didn't get paid anything. And um, and they, they, I think they planted 11 churches out of this church in Sherman Oaks. Oh, you know, and here the guy is now in his sunset years. He's moved to another state. He's planting all over again. But I didn't know this un- until last night when we talked. I, wow. I assumed, I mean, I knew everything I just told you. But what I didn't know was he had only been a Christian for 11 months when we made him into a pastor. So amazing. everybody thought it was pretty radical that a 19-year-old kid would be pastoring his converts, because that's really what it was. Right. You brought these people, You now you lead them. And, but I was a little surprised to find out that 11 months in, you know, we, we dubbed him pastor, but he, that's, he was already the pastor. All mm. we did was recognize it. Dang, and, so um, and he picked up theological education along the way. And, and by the way, I got a little thing and I'll quit yakking here, but for, for guys that are going, Ooh, what if they ask me a question? I don't know the answer. Well, here's the answer. I don't know that answer. Why don't you and I both go look it up on the internet this week and come, we'll talk about it next week. That's nice. A, that works. And that, that also kind of forces them not yet believer to do a little research, you know? And, yeah. And actually Wikipedia works pretty good. It, theologically, they're pretty accurate. So. That's so good, man. Yeah. I, I really think I met and Ralph, you were definitely way before your time, uh, innovating and, um, but I, I think we need to get back to that. And I'm so glad that you're, you know, hosting things like this to tell your story and to hopefully sow seeds uh, in some of our listening audience and beyond who will kind of take, you know, some of these values and priorities and, and, uh, and blessing people, Christ followers into their roles as pastors and prophets and evangelists, like for them to see you know, that, that hand of blessing and validation on them so that they can, you know, uh, step into that role and advance the church forward, especially again, in post-Christian times that, you know, that we're going to desperately need these, this kind of a gospel movement uh, empowered by the laity who, who began to walk in their believer priest calling. You know, one of the things that one of my friends works in um, urban areas mostly with african-american people and he's constantly reminding me that that the gangs are better at making disciples than the churches wow wow Wow. and when you think about it you you you, the kind of churches you're talking about the neighborhoods difficult places like pomona uh a lot of ministry skills uh, aren't redeemed yet because the person hasn't come under the blood of jesus but But they got the they got the skill set already, and I you know I'm a little bit weird maybe, but I believe that God invests spiritual gifts in us at birth, not at rebirth, but at birth, hmm. and then then they have to get redeemed at at rebirth. Um, Interesting. And Satan utilizes them for his kingdom, but but then we're slow to utilize them in the Lord's kingdom once a person is born again, and hmm. we we need to rethink this whole area of giftedness of the miraculous all those things how they how they fit in Hmm. it's good man i i hadn't really ever seen it like that or thought about that but um but as you were talking i 
I do remember I, I had a flashback to being that little kid that was always a hustler. I remember like uh, mowing lawns, had a lawnmower and just would knock on doors until someone let me mow their lawn. And, you know, I was just a young little entrepreneur, you know, and uh, I could sell stuff I could promote. And so, uh, but then, yeah, God definitely redeemed it and focused it for his glory and such. So yeah, man, I'm, 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 I'm seeing what you're saying. So it's great. It's good good to remember. So is there anything more you want to share with us? Cause we're, we want to take advantage of having you on here. No, I, I mean, I think this has been a rich conversation. Hopefully we can do this again, you know, sometime, but, um, but I'm, I'm, I'm just super grateful for this time. And, you know, I guess I want to, um, you know, encourage people that are maybe listening to, you know, reach out to us. Uh, you can reach me, uh, Larry at city two to city two city LA.com Larry at city two city LA.com. And, uh, you know, I reach out to Ralph. We, we'd love to walk with you. We'd love to encourage you, love to sharpen you, love to challenge you to, to, to go into some of these places and plant these gospel communities. And, I just think the church needs to get back on this missional edge and becoming a movement. You know, when you read the book of Acts, you know, it, it's, it, it wasn't stifled by too, you know, a lot of unhealthy structure, unnecessary structure. It was a move of God. People were responding to the gospel and then they were empowered and mobilized and then opposition would come. And then um, that forced them to get out of Jerusalem and expand their reach and the take the gospel elsewhere and into the prisons and, you know, and so anyway, I I just would love to see us um, capture some of that missional edge that, that the church is supposed to, that came from, we came from that. We need to kind of, you know, recapture some of our, our roots, if you will. So there's gotta be some people that live somewhere between Ventura County and the Mexican border who, who, God wants you in touch with Larry Acosta. And there's probably some people in some other city, Phoenix or Omaha or someplace, going that I could learn a lot from this man. Uh, I think that uh, they're welcome, huh? Yeah, love to love to connect and see, you know, how I could serve you and help fan into flame what God's calling you to do and be. That's good. That's good. Well, thanks for taking the time to do this. I super appreciate it, and I'm looking forward to to doing it again. Yeah, Ralph. Thank you again for, um, man, keep pouring in, you know, you're sharing more of your stories, because I do think you did certain things intuitively, Ralph, um, that still need to to be practiced today. Those were some missional things you were doing. Those were some, um, you were speaking vision to young some were already Christ followers and some were not. You, you were speaking to them, but you were speaking vision to them and in your discipleship process. And um, so I, I just think more, more pastors, shepherds, urban missionaries need to do that in their discipleship process. Um, yeah, maybe next time we talk, let's talk more about discipleship and, and kind of some of the things that they that you did, maybe you didn't them intuitively and eventually it became a process that you go, Oh, that's what I was doing. And you were, you were kind of mapping it out. But I, I think, 
I think we need to give people some practical tools along those lines as well. But uh, that'll be for our next conversation, maybe. Okay. Looking forward to it. Thank you. Thanks, Ralph, for the opportunity. If you enjoyed today's podcast, be sure to subscribe and check his blog at ralphmoore.net.